What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of the Dreams to Reality podcast and today we've got a very very special guest and this person is somebody I really look up to, somebody this is the first time I've actually met them but somebody who I feel adds a huge amount of value and making an impact in their field. So with that said, I want to introduce you guys. Can't get my words out today. <laughs> That's right. James Stark, what's going on, my man? How you man? doing, Cameron? Yeah, it's good to meet you in person, pal. Um, and thanks for the kind words that you've just said. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's nice to be, be thought of as an inspiration, I guess. Cause, uh, okay, yeah. So let me tell you where I first kind of found out about you and what you do. So I live in Bristol. I think I had a meeting down at the harbourside in Bristol. And I was just walking through and... I'm quite big into my fitness and at this point I was into, I don't know what you call it, but like muscle ups and stuff like that. And I was walking past and I seen your gym. The first thing what caught my attention was your branding. That really, that caught my attention, especially the yellow and I really liked it. So now I remember looking in and it looked like you kind of had some type of bar with protein stuff. (laughs) But then when you also look deeper into the place, you had rings, it just looked like... um, a real cool gym, like a playground. For anybody who's into fitness, it looked like a a fun playground. And I always remembered it. And then I literally came home, asked one of my friends who's got a big base in Bristol, asked about you guys. And when you see these type of gyms, you think um, they're going to be everywhere and they're kind of commercialised. But then when I looked into it, I seen you're the founder. Yeah, yeah. So so it's it's like, um, so basically... Where the, first of all, let's talk about Bristol, Bristol. We're fellow Bristolians, which is number one. Okay. <laughs> but where the yellow and black came from was actually um, uh, my granddad started his business in 1952, started with yellow colours, so wow. I copied in the kind of yellow. He was successful, so I thought, let's go for it. Yellow's a strong colour. Uh, but in terms of the gym itself, um, I, 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 you know, my background is obviously personal training. I've been in the industry for a long time. Um, I say a long time. I've been in it for, since 2011. Um, so if you class that's a long time, it might be, but it's no, it's not really seven, eight years. So I don't know if I introduced it properly. So at this point, obviously you got a successful gym, two gyms essentially, and a very successful brand, nutrition company. You're 29. I'm 29. Yeah, 30 this year. For, you're getting old. <laughs> Knocking on. <laughs> so you're 29. Only 2019. So you said you just got into personal training. In yeah. 2011? Yeah, yeah. So I, I off the back end, uh, so a bit like a quick brief about my background is um, went on a rugby scholarship at Millfield School, um, left there, went to Exeter University. That's a good school as it's well, a good school, it? good school. I went there just to play rugby, but ended up doing a bit of studying as well. Okay. And then man- <laughs> yeah, managing to uh, to get the grades to what I needed to, to go to university. Again, went to university mainly because of rugby. Went to Exeter, did a sport and exercise science degree. Ultimately, that's what normal rugby players want to you know, go and study if they yeah. just want to interest in the rugby mainly. But I actually found that I had a really strong interest in sport and exercise science. Um, and obviously training went hand in hand with rugby. Uh, so when I left uni, uh, moved back to Bristol, um, started, you know, carried on playing semi-professionally uh, and then got more and more into my training. And that's kind of where the personal training thing developed from. Yeah. Um, so went and enrolled onto, you know, your standard, you know, personal training courses, uh, actually at that time didn't learn that much on the courses 
Uh, so found for me, I always knew that I didn't want to go down the commercial sector and work in big commercial gyms. I wanted to Did find... Did you experience that? No, I didn't even go into a commercial gym. Oh, wow. I knew what they were like, so I've trained okay. them, but yeah. I didn't want to go and work in one. So I surrounded myself with uh, some very good mentors, one being a, a guy from Bath called Tom Cresenton from Body Development. He mentored me for a number of years and still does now. You know, I, I see him as a, a great icon in the industry, a very knowledgeable guy who's been in the industry for about 20 plus years. Um, and he taught me a lot uh, and basically wanted to start on my own, build my own business. So I was working basically between Bath at Tom's Gym uh, in Clifton and Bristol and then between a home gym that I carefully built when my mum was away out of the house well, okay. uh, <laughs> and uh, changed one of the rooms into a small gym and started training you know family members friends and started to build a client base okay, at home wow. so I was on the road a lot I was doing a big triangle between uh, you know in Somerset which was uh, a lot of driving uh, but it was good and that was my early years is how I started in 2011 so that was in 2011 uh, and then progressed on and then in 2015 uh, that's the year I wanted to right boom I want to start my own place so looked at a, 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 a unit which was the one you passed in the harbourside in Bristol before we get onto that yeah. because I feel like there's going to be a lot to talk about there growing up have you always had an interest in fitness obviously you said about the rugby side of things did you ever want to play professional rugby? Did you ever have to... Obviously, you already said you played semi-pro. So was there kind of like a conscious decision you needed to make? I'm going to go for... I'm going to try and make pro or I got to start kind of thinking professionally about what I want to do with my life? Yeah, sure. Well, there, there's no... I've, I've, I've always loved sports. I've always played team sport. I've, I horse rode for 16 years. Oh, played, wow. I played football. As soon as I picked up a rugby ball, I gave up football and played rugby. Um... And the dream was obviously to be a professional athlete and play rugby, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, was It was in Bristol's academy for a bit. Uh, and then, like I said, went to, to Millfield and then to university. Uh, but there's always a point when you grow up, you get to that age when you actually think, am I good enough to make it professional? Because would I already be doing it right now? That's if true. that was the point. So that's the that was the point when I was, um, I was about to, just turning sort of 25. I made the decision to concentrate on career as opposed to rugby because I thought... I'm not professional now, probably not going to make it professional. No. So it was time to go to career, and that's the route I went down. Um, so that's when the personal training started to ramp up and up and up. Um, and then, like I said to you earlier, I mentioned before uh, we started here today, so in my early days of uh, personal training, um, I had mentors and I was, you know, I was doing a lot of reading up on different bits and bobs, and I thought to grow my own profile, I need to get out there. So I went down the fitness modelling route, um, I've you know done modelling f um, for you know men's health and men's fitness. And so at what stage? What stage was this? Say so you took the transition, 2011. Yeah. Um, Got myself in good shape. Yeah, you said that you didn't really learn much on the course. And I think you never really learn much on a course. Like I got a business degree, yeah. but it's only when you go out of those kind of boundaries, you yeah. really start to learn and become an expert within your field, essentially. So you started in 2011. What? When did you start, say, pursuing modeling or TV or whatever? At what point? Was it straight away or did you wait for a specific moment or did it just come so what, what I did is you know essentially when I got into personal training number one was to get myself in as best shape as possible because I knew if you want to be a fitness model you need to be in as best nick as possible obviously <laughs> turning up to shoot and being like out taking off your t-shirt and then we're going ah nah, not today so that was number one great point <laughs> great point hit me 
don't, I don't know if you. I don't know if you want me to say this. So looking at you, looking at your pictures and stuff, I automatically look at you and can say that I don't believe you are on steroids. I don't True. think you are. Yeah. No, you can tell. Yeah. When, when obviously I've been around many people and you can see, especially with the fitness industry, it's heavily Heavily, filled yeah. especially with steroids. Problem. It's that, it's that yeah. topic. Yeah. So I don't know if you ever have or from what I see, you've probably made a conscious decision not to do them. Well, I, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's something Why? I've, I've never... Because of the, I guess, like the, the, the health, the, the issues with the health it can have... Um, I, I've never felt the need. I've never been that body conscious that I thought I need to grow that big to take um, performance enhancing drugs. Um, I was all about training hard, eating well, eating good nutrition, uh, developing muscle tissue on that kind of what I call like wow. a long-term way yeah. um, as opposed to the quick muscle gain. Um, Bodybuilding's not really ever been my forte anyway. I've never enjoyed bodybuilding training that much. Um, I've more been down like the kind of generic strength and condition route. Uh, which is my roots and what, how I trained when I was younger and for rugby I trained for performance as opposed to train for aesthetics yeah. so I'm not your classic fitness model kind of look and that's, that's what I want to say guys especially if you if you don't know, didn't know who James was before this podcast go and check his stuff out because it's not just kind of gym work where you're benching and you're just doing the basic stuff you might see on YouTube and you see these massive bodybuilders doing um, a lot of what he teaches and from what I see is kind of that all-round athleticism, which is good. So back to kind of the steroids bit a little bit, because it is a hot topic. If you wanted to get yourself in the best shape you could, I think you're kind of one in a kind for not going on something like steroids, because a lot of people, they do feel the pressure, they feel to keep up or to make a name in the fitness industry, I need to be absolutely massive. But you're kind of proof that you don't have to be as long as you're happy with yourself and you just exactly, yeah. have that vision. So was it not really a much of a thought? You was just like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep you. I guess you got your own values and your own morals, haven't exactly, you? Yeah, yeah. It, it was just something I, I like. I said it was. It's down to you, you know your personal confidence and how you how you look at in how you assess your body when you look at yourself. And I've never been. You know, I like to be lean, but I've never been like. I want to be the biggest in the gym or the strongest in the gym. I just like to move well, train well, have a good capacity in all different sides of training. And if I put on loads of muscle mass very quickly, it probably would stop me being able to go out and run 5K, 10K in the times I do, which is not overly fast, but I wouldn't be able to do that if yeah. I suddenly put on another stone of muscle. Yeah. So I like to be able to do a bit of everything and, and, that's, and that's how my training is based. Um, so going back to like the, um, the fitness modeling, it was something I wanted to do to build my profile. Um, and then off the back of it, ended up doing some of the uh, celebrity fitness DVDs, which okay. was a that was a and that and that helped raise my profile a lot in terms of being sort of known in the industry in a small way. If that you makes look sense. Young as well. I, I looked majorly young. So the first one I did was with uh, another Bristolian girl, uh, Josie Gibson. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so at the time she was hot off the uh, Big Brother press. She just won the 2010. Uh, sorry, not 2010, 2012. I think Do you think was. you can get her for the podcast? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll ask her, Joe. She's got to come in. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah, you go. Yeah, 
she she's a cool girl, Josie, and I worked with her for uh, you know a good six to nine months. Um, we did this amazing transformation. I wasn't initially going to be presenting the DVD, but the people from London, the production company, liked me, and they said, "Actually, can you present?" And I was like, "Whoa, all right, I'll have a go." If the, money, if the money's right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I had a go at presenting, and that's where like the initial kind of like I guess skill set to present come from. I remember doing my first audition. When they actually, they'd already said they wanted me to do it, but they said, you need to come down to London. We're going to film you doing a workout and presenting it to the camera. And I turned up to this like ballet studio and there was like a, a panel of like six people sat there and the camera. And they just said, right, off you go. And I was like, what, just present to the camera or present to you? And they were just like, whatever you want, just present. And I was like, wow. so I remember watching that video back and monotone <laughs> wow it was literally just like so basic and i was like I, I watched it back and i couldn't watch it it was so cringing so what did you have to do just talk or did I you have to like to press like, ups and yeah, say yeah, I had to, i'm like, doing press ups right now come on yeah yeah literally be motivational talk about the safety aspects of the exercises talk whilst doing the exercises you know get up on your hands you know the whole clapping yeah. like bit of motivation kind of stuff pretend that i was training someone in the room so yeah, it was it was pretty. Yeah. So was that kind of your first experience of public speaking in yeah, a way, apart time. from kind of one-on-one yeah, coaching? Yeah. Wow. And, at that, and at that point, point I wasn't you know social media. I was on Facebook, but even Instagram, I'd only just started to kind of go on to Instagram, and wow. I was you know so that was my first yeah being on camera. Talk about on the spot. And uh, and you know the first DVD we did was Thirty Seconds Slim. The guys at the gym still laugh about it now. They still take the piss out of me because of this uh this kick I did on the one of the adverts and it was uh <laughs> and it yeah we it are is, going to yeah, for the record yeah. we are going to find that kick yeah. and uh yeah yeah definitely <laughs> um but the the 30 second slim dvd which was, what was the title of the dvd sold uh over a quarter of a million copies it was number 1 on amazon and uh wow. it went off the off the chain so then uh, then I got approached to do a second one with Josie, which I did, and that was with the production. So how production. did you link up with Josie? Uh, they, they, because she was a Bristolian girl, the production company were basically researching trainers in Bristol to work with her. They, because Josie, right, uh, excuse me, Josie, but because she's, uh, she's quite difficult to work with sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> one, they couldn't have a female. There needed to be a male, they, yeah. there needed to be a male to train her. And uh, they needed someone that could basically take a, you know, take a hammer yeah. and, um, you know, because uh, she gives it back, you know. You okay. Know. So, uh, and uh, she sacked me three times during six months and made <laughs> up with me again. So, you know, it all kicked off. So, but I'm more interested with like, how did you get found? How still, how did they They actually find found you? me through... Um, you must have been doing something right unless it was just complete luck. So, so it, yeah, it was a bit of luck and they talk about how things come around. I know people say it was, it was down to the, the, you know, like the run of the green and it was a little bit because they came across me on, uh, I was working in a gym at the time in Clifton and they went on that website and I was one of the personal trainers out of the 12 that were on the website. Wow, okay. And they chose me, interviewed me and uh, that interview was mad on its own. But, um, and yeah, they, then it started from there. Then, you know, did two with Josie, uh, you know, did another one with some of the Made in Chelsea cast and that was called MIC Fit. So work with uh, Spencer and Binky and that was a, like another experience, completely different. So was that something you enjoyed doing? Or it was good fun. I know Josie's your friend, but is it something you enjoy doing it or was it just you had the vision and this was a stepping stone? It, yeah, I had the vision. This was a stepping stone in terms of, you know, you, you know, from you know seeing the, the business and how, how we work. 
I like the serious side of health and fitness yeah, um, and the, the DVD side is probably the more fun side, but it's a way of getting people in their lounges or wherever they do these DVDs to actually get up and get moving, which is what we need to be doing with you know our society anyway, is get people moving more. And so it was a very different way, but like I'm, I'm a big believer in having skill sets in many different areas as possible um, and learning as much as possible and just okay. embracing it. So I took it on and had a go and I did the right job, I think, in... Uh, and then that kind of helped boost the modeling side of things. Uh, did two covers, one for men's fitness and one for healthy for men, which as a as a fitness model, your number one aspiration is to, to is to cover on a magazine. So yeah, of course. Uh, which was cool. Um and then yeah, moving in and then two thousand fifteen, that's when the Cathedral Walk Gym started to come around and the idea and uh yeah, so it was a busy it was a busy period. And I was running around, I was a lot on the road in in and out of London a lot. Yeah. So it was yeah, it was busy. So I've got loads of questions. <clears throat> hit me. Um, I hit you. I might hurt you. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't um, there's a lot of different mindset things you prob you say, and I picked up on straight away, which I'll dive in to probably a little bit later because I want to just get your story in out of the way, and I've got some real kind of questions around motivation, mindset, even fitness. What I feel many people will be able to benefit from. Um, but you've done the celebrity DVDs, you've done some modeling, magazines, you've done all of this different stuff. Um, did you always want to have a gym, your own gym? And back then when you had nothing, did it look in your head how it looks now? No, so so basically I think, I think if any personal trainer says it's not there... I guess their goal to have their own gym at some stage of their career. I'm not career. even a personal trainer. I want my no, own gym. No, I think for any personal trainer, somewhere in their career, they'll say in their head that they want their own place. When when you realise the amount of work involved, and yeah. at the time, my mentor was telling me, when you open your own place, it all changes, and you know it does change big time. Um, so, you know, in terms of your self learning, that kind of tails off because you're busy doing other stuff. In terms of your coaching time, that tails off because you're doing other business stuff. So I knew that I would take a hit on those areas, um, but I was willing to, I wanted my own place. In terms of the look, uh, lucky enough, I was, um, I knew the type of gym that I wanted, which was like a strength and conditioning based gym. As people now keep coming in and saying, it looks like a CrossFit box, but really posh. It's not a CrossFit box, but it does look posh. Yeah. Um, I wanted that kind of style of gym, but I was lucky enough to go around the country and I've got lots of friends that own gyms going in and out. And I used to make notes and notes and notes on my phone about things I liked. And that would be down to details of design, down to the way the gyms were laid out, to the fixings in the brackets used to store things, to storage systems, so to everything. I used to make notes, notes, notes. So when I when I first came across Cathedral Walk, it was the first unit that uh, I looked in for the gym. And you had the floor space, it was completely blank. You and I used to sit in there. You couldn't really thought of a more expensive place, really, could you, in Bristol? <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I... I, I no, <laughs> you no. just start in a shed in, yeah, in like St. Yeah. Paul's or something. Yeah. You just thought, yeah, I'm going harbour somewhere. L- lucky, I've got, I've got a business partner who's, um, you know, and he's a good guy and he's he's got his own, like, he lets me deal with operationally everything. But, you know, he, he had this idea of being boutique central town because of his experience with the business he was in um so I, we kind of put one and one together and made two and that's where we ended that's up incredible and it was a case of sitting in there on sundays just for hours just staring at the space and thinking how this thing was going to work 
and then uh, and then coming together with a you know a building company to put down the designs and then doing the gym floor design and everything else. So yeah, it's kind of but everything you see in both the gyms um, down to layouts it was pretty much what I put forward to the building companies that helped. Uh, but the finer details, they put their ideas in, and then you come up with what the, the final look is. The yeah. brand itself, I'm always I've been I'm a massive fan of like minimalistic stuff. So I like you know minimal brands uh, with look, and that's why like just the SF or you know how, how you've seen on social. But it's strong. <clears throat> yeah. Well, the colors. So you make say it... you say minimal, but I, there's something not minimal about it. If that makes sense, it's very. I think I don't know what what's the word. It's congruent. Yeah. Everything's in line. Mm-hmm. From even the people you employ, the personal trainers, that side of things, it's all congruent. And that's one thing, obviously, bring, he, us bringing on ta- uh, Prentice to do all our filming and stuff, that's one thing we wanted was on our social media, we wanted everything to look at the same standard, all at a good level, and everything branded. And when I go into your fitness, your gym pages, your fitness, your nutrition pages, and even your page, everything is the same congruent which i think is amazing yeah that is is one of those ones that you'll you'll look back i know because you said you're at the the kind of near the start of your journey of your dr2 and stuff you'll look back in two years time at stuff you're doing now and think wow (laughs) because things improve all the time but as long as you keep that kind of um consistency with your your base brand then that's where it shines through uh that's what i found anyway um the brand identities work you know, I had an agency that helped me, but we went in with ideas. We want to keep it simple. Obviously, you need professionals in their industry then to pull something together, give you some ideas. And then it, we went down the route of just staying simple, SF, boom, done. And uh, and that's kind of, you know, I, you know, at the minute, you know, you, you see more of the SF than you actually do the Starks Fitness. And that's yeah. what we want it. We want people to recognise that, you know. <clears throat> so 2015, one night you was led in your bed thinking about what am I going to do? <laughs> I want to start a gym. I want to have a gym. Um, what was the first step? Did you have a lot of support? Did a lot of people tell you? You already said that there's making you having your own gyms. A lot of people say how hard it is. Did people try and put you off? Did families support you? What type of vibe did you have, or was it just tunnel vision? No, no. I, I'm. I'm. I, I listen to people. Um, so I'm not tunnel vision. I'll always listen to people what they say around me, whether I take note of it or not. That's up to me at the time. Okay. Um, but support-wise, you just talked about support. My family and themselves, um, I couldn't fault their support ever. You know, they support 100%. Wow. Even when you got the bad times, the good times, whatever it is, they're behind me, which is number one. Uh, because if your family there, then you know you you. Yeah. you you, you feel like you're doing the right thing even if sometimes oh, wow. it's not yeah that's true um the other thing is like i said you mentioned i've got a business partner you know we talk we chat a lot we put our own Does honest opinions th- big time because although it just helps you think like the risk is being spread slightly as as opposed because yeah, you've got you've got you. two brains working our skill sets are very different so I, I you know i think if if you are a young person looking to start your own thing and you want a business partner I think looking for someone potentially that hasn't got the same skill sets as you is a is a strong yeah. thing because otherwise you will end up um, battering like heads basically about ideas. So I think someone who can bring in um, something different to the table to what you do. Um, but yeah, support, good family, definitely. And that's um, from all aspects in terms of, you know, I've had to financially ask them to help me out because sometimes it's difficult going to the bank and getting loans. Of course. Thing. 
and you you do put your excuse my language but you do put your balls on the line big time and people that <clears throat> choose to do their own thing is uh is it's not an easy thing it looks sometimes all glamorous, bright and sparkly yeah. and glamorous on the outside but it's not always and it a lot of the time is not at all um so yeah you do have to put yourself out big time and that's that's <laughs> it's it's funny you say that because I you asked me how long have I been doing what I've been doing for and it's been unofficially as I said five or six years from when I couldn't even talk in front of a crowd now so I talk to what 100,000 people a year if not more probably this year now and when you say it all seems glamorous it's so I remember say four years ago I was living in a freezing cold flat in Bristol yeah. at this point I literally I never went to the doctors to kind of get, you know, get the help I probably needed at the time. But I was on the way, at this point, I was on the way out. I had no money. I didn't have anyone around me. And I just wasn't in a good place. But the next day, I go and talk in the school. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of fake it till you make it in a way. But how does that kind of work? Everybody thought I was okay because I was putting on a fake smile for everyone else. But at this point, the business wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just this kind of big persona. And it's funny that when I actually dropped that persona and started talking more from the heart and being real, like, I'm struggling. I went through this. I went through that. People start to relate to you a lot more, I think. It's, it's a process, isn't it? It's a process. When, you, when, you, when you're growing a business um, or doing any, it can be any personal goals. Even if not business goals, it could be something you want to achieve in your life. It might be uh, an event that you want to go. There's a process, and there, you can have the ups and downs of everything. Um, <clears throat> so when you get to that event or whatever the climax is, and it all happens, obviously it looks glamorous, yeah, and you, you cross the line, or whatever happens happens. But then the the process itself, there's been ups and downs through the whole thing, and there's there's been tears, there's been like the the sleepless nights, the nights when you can't go to sleep at all because all you're doing is Turning things is in it your kind mind. of like anxiety in a way? Have you yeah, experienced I, a little bit of that? Yeah, a little bit. I'm not. I'm, I'm not an anxious person. I'm a relaxed Same, guy. Yeah. Um, but you do. You do get anxious at points, which I think is a different kind of anxiety to kind of the whole kind of feeling sweaty and yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. It's more that you just you can't switch off at all wow. and you think okay, constantly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's is a. Uh, I think you know, it's it's definitely support is number one. Um, so back to the tunnel vision thing. Yeah. You said you don't necessarily have tunnel vision. You have essentially an open mind enough to listen to what everyone is telling you, whether you apply that as a different yeah. situation. Yeah. But why is that mentality important? Because what? you've got so many people who are yeah, ignorant. Yeah. They won't listen to anyone. No. They kind of hit their chest. They think yeah. they're the, the king or queen of the jungle. And that ultimately will become their downfall. Well, I think I think... It, it shined. It shone. That shone, that kind of mentality shines through straight away from when I started being a personal trainer, because obviously you know that there's so many different training concepts, there's so many different nutrition ways or ways you can apply nutrition to people. If you've got tunnel vision, you only do one thing and you say this is the only way. It's my way or the highway. You shut the doors to a lot of things. It's a fixed mindset. Yeah, and it's it? the wrong way to go. So if people poo-poo other people's ideologies and research and say that's not right, that's not right, they're being tunnel vision with things i went i went through I, that stage yeah i think if you know you can be open-minded you listen to people you listen like so when i was starting out with being a personal trainer 
um, you, you know, you listen to what different people's research has to say, you, you apply different principles, you you take on as much information as possible, and then you find formulations that works for you and how your personality works, how what gets results for my clients, and what, you know, kind of pushes things but forward. How many people in the fitness industry, especially personal trainers, really do that, though? Because I don't yeah. think they do. No, they I don't. think that... The, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I hear many personal trainers talk about it, but these personal trainers are the, the best, Yeah, like you. So on a, say, ground level in a commercial gym, how many personal trainers are really taking their craft serious, or maybe how much are this there for the money, or because it was somewhat at that point? To get in is the easy way to get in, but then it's saying how can you maintain it, but not only maintain it, but become that go-to guy, not only in your gym, but maybe in your business, your job, what, does that make sense? So the, the, the one thing, what stands out when you're saying that is passion, okay? Because okay. oh, well, if you've yeah. got a passion in, in what you're doing, you'll want to learn, you want to get better at it. What's happened is the fitness industry is such a fast-growing industry, and they put a stamp on a personal trainer being able to earn 40 grand a year, um, and people go, well, right, I'll go and do the personal training course, which is going to cost me three or 4,000 quid. I'll do it in six weeks. They've gone from not knowing anything about the gym to suddenly being qualified. Mm. And they think that for 40 grand a year is in reach. Whereas really, you've got to dog it out. You've got to do the slog. You've got to learn. You've got to adapt. You've got to progress. You've got to be able to win clients. You've got to be able to sell yourself to people. You've got to get results, which is what speaks volumes. Um, so there's a, it's, it's down to passion. And if you haven't got that drive and passion to actually be better, um, that's when you'll probably stop taking in all these other bits and bobs and you'll just stay on your same road wow. and you'll just kind of dog it out and just do the same thing over and over again, which on itself gets boring and repetitive, as you know, and it will just kind of like, it just won't work, essentially. Somebody said a quote, <clears throat> a quote to me the other day. I can't, something you... We believe we can achieve a lot more in one year than we actually can, but we don't believe we can achieve as much in 10 years than we actually can. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that, in one year, we always got this great idea of what we're going to achieve in one year, but it never really works out just how we want it to. No. But then when you look back on your life in a 10-year period, you think, wow, I've done so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, in a minute when we go on to talk about opening the second gym in my 2018 year, which was mental itself, but on that is... Um, you know, basically like, you know, I, I had ideas, well, I've got now things in my in my business that are going on that I want to I want to be 12 months down the line to see where it is. I want to okay. be there already, but I know that it's not going to happen there. I don't want, I don't want to miss that time, no. but you want to see it. So it's kind of still taking your time, doing all the foundations right, doing all the other bits right, being consistent and keeping high level services of all the other aspects yeah. and then building towards where you want to see. But sometimes you get excited and, you okay. know, and <clears throat> like, you know, SF Nutrition itself, I was just talking to you earlier, we'll talk about it a bit more in a minute, we've just done a rebrand, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where we are at the end of 2019 already. Do you, and need, just, do you uh, need any models? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could do some actually, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, so yeah, it's, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's, you, know you, can, you can set big goals for in a year, and you, sometimes you want to get there and see if you've done it or not. But really, I think in 12 months, a lot of things can change and oh, yeah. especially in my industry and I think it's the same with any is you need to be dynamic so if things change you've got to change with it otherwise you get left behind so I think if you get set in ways and just kind of carry on doing your thing which is still good potentially good quality and something changes and there's a shift 
um, you need to be dynamic or adapt to make sure that you've still got your kind of your ethos and your morals correct and is there, but you're kind of moving around with what everything else yeah. is as well. So 2015, you've committed to starting your starting a gym. What's the first step? First you've got your step. business partner, everything, you found your location, yep. you've got your branding. I remember my first How'd day. How'd you go from getting your, yeah, go on, carry on. I remember the first day. So the first thing I did is thought, well, I've got this gym, which is kitted out beautifully, all this lo- lovely equipment. But the next thing is we need people in it. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to get people walking past. Is a, obviously like a Just shop like front. Just like me, it's yeah. A, it's a retail unit so people can see in. Obviously, it's private enough for people to train. But Did you have to get can't. a lot of permission for that? Uh, you do. You go through the change of usage and everything else like you, you would if, uh, depending on what, you know, the, the unit is um, kind of made up to be at the time. Yeah. So we have to go through a change of usage with the council. But this, you know, again, these things I've been learning, learning about the paperwork of doing all that kind of stuff as well. Um, so I, I at the time I'd already at that point in 2015 um, had two people that I'd kind of taken on to work uh, sort of uh, with me I guess um, yeah. uh, a young lad called Tom and, and a girl called Lydia and you know I was helping them out as much as I could and helping them with clients if I could as well <laughs> and uh, you're right there <laughs> and um, and so I basically situated them straight in the gym uh, and then surrounded myself with a couple of other trainers that at the time had good client bases. They came straight in and straight away we had like a, we had a team of five people and they all had clients. So it was kind of the starting point. So there was people coming in, there was people training, but it was at like 10% capacity. Wow. Not even that, probably less. But so, with your gym, it's different. It's it's not a commercial gym. No. What is your gym? Why so, is your gym, why should I join your gym essentially? What so, does your gym offer different? Yeah. So when, when we opened, when we started Stark Fitness at Harborside, the the idea was to be uh, the first personal own, personal training only gym in Bristol. So we were a gym set up. People come in and they wanted to just pay a membership and come in and train. Can't do that. Sorry, that's not what we do here. We just do personal training. You talked about bad times. Yeah. Have you ever considered that? Uh, yeah, we considered it, but we did other things that were kind of like a step towards being like an open gym but not if that made sense okay and that's kind of where the temple key model kind of ended up coming from which we'll talk about in a second but yeah you you consider things but then you you go back and you go no i'm sticking to my guns and my dad very often said to me no you're doing the right thing stick to it it will build keep quality high it will shine through people will come in the end and that's what happened um so you know you kind of go through again it's a process you know going back to that process you go through you think should i be changing things there's always like there's always that plan B that you have, which you could fall back onto, which would be like completely changing the model that you've sort of started. But um, to go to that plan B would uh, take a lot to kind of make me go right. Actually, yeah. screw this. We're moving to plan B. So um, when did things starting to pick up for you, and you started to think we're onto something here? Well, so by the end of the first year, I, I would say we had a team of uh, at least I think we had ten coaches that were within the gym. So we were running it as a, a model wow. where the, the trainers were self-employed. So they pay you. They paid a rent for the space, um, and basically, you know, they they wore uniforms, so they were part of the brand. 
Uh, and basically, um, we generated leads and inquiries. Number one was obviously having a good website. So I spent out on getting a good website, which looked again smart on brand and was what we call slick. You know, people could get around it. So we generated leads. They obviously had their own client bases, their own social medias and their own websites. Mm. And then they basically amalgamated into the gym. They bring their own clients in. We give them clients as well. And basically that's so how we built. two ways. Yeah, and because it was a small space, um, that community that we sort of mentioned before we started this um, built very quickly. So there used mm. to be a lot of banter between all the trainers in there. Uh, clients would know each other. They would chat. They would. Did that come natural though? Because people are people. Yeah. It, or did it? T- <clears throat> some people won't have the same standards you have. They might have different values. They might not appreciate the brand the same way you appreciate it. Yeah. So was it hard? finding the people who match your brand or did you get lucky again it, it was we, we i think we we had a i had a lot of inquiries of uh of, of trainers and coaches that wanted to come and work at the gym but we were limited for space mm. so we had a lot of people that wanted to come and we were limited so luckily the number one thing i did is obviously people ultimately send you your cvs and everything else but I always just met the person. That was number Do one thing. you have thing. a CV, by the way? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got one of those ones I wrote at school when yeah. I was like, you know, a bit younger, but no, I haven't. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I always would sit with them and that would be the first thing I'd do. I would sit, it'd be a relaxed conversation and I would check out their personality because I think, I'm not saying I'm some amazing person reader or personality. No, 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 no. But, but can... I could, it, you could very quickly get the gist of someone and whether I thought they were being approachable. Um, you know, to be a personal trainer, you need to be approachable. Um, if you're not approachable, you're going to struggle. I go um, to a commercial gym now. Yeah. And the personal trainer's in there. Not approachable. No. So they're not going to build a business. They wouldn't even they? say good morning to you. No, exactly. So... And then the other exactly. thing was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Come to us. That was one of the re- that's the number one reason. Uh, so, and the other thing was is is the willing to learn. So again, I'm always learning. I'm continuously learning. You talked about an expert earlier. I don't, I don't sort of, set, I don't put myself in the expert bracket in the industry because I think to be an expert in the industry, you've got, to, I've got to be doing way, way more self learning, continue like on a daily basis. I don't think I you will ever see yourself as an no. expert. And, but I, 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 I see people that I do aspire to think are experts and I still check out the stuff. I still read up on bits when I can. Um, but no, I wanted people that were in our gym that potentially were either less knowledge than me, more knowledge than me, but people that were willing to either share the knowledge or learn. So if you're in that learning environment, educational environment, it thrives itself. Um, so our PTs, we used to sit down on a weekly basis. We used to have an internal staff education program where my mentor came across. He taught all the staff together. So we had a staff training session every week. You need a motivational speaker. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it brought our levels of coaching up to a standard as well where I wanted the, the business to be because we were continuing doing internal work. Uh, but also... We had some great personalities in the gym. You got big personalities. It brings out the personalities in your members and your clients, and then it became that bubbly place where people used to come in. Obviously, you're going to ultimately get your quieter coaches and your quieter members that don't want to say and feel too much, but they feel that they're in a positive environment. You know, so they, and and that's what it was all about. It was creating a place where. So going back to why you would join us, you would join us if it was the service you wanted in terms of if you were looking for a personal training service and that's what you wanted to do. 
we would be the place for that because we could offer professional coaching, we could offer a great environment, a great gym with great equipment, uh, and then the community aspect, and you're going to get results. And that was the that was the mm. that was the reasons. So you know it was different, and it was everyone in there had their own journey. Was it a different start place? Uh, had their own results, um, and basically you know bounced off each other. Basically, so that's that's kind of how it grew. What I like about you, you are keep talking about learning, about reading, about seeing what other people are doing, and you, you have really became a student of the game. And I know I keep going back to it, but not only just for you and just your team in general. That basically means to me that you don't have so much of an ego if that makes sense or too much pride to learn from other people work and have communication from where fitness industry there's a big stigma around where everybody's against everybody and it's a big kind of egotistical industry big time yeah have you ever how how does it come natural or is it just something you just know you once again you know the end vision and you just know what you need to do to get there. And that means consistent learning and consistent growing. Yeah, big time. Like we, we, we wanted to create a space where there wasn't egos because gyms are a, a big place for egos. So um, in our Harborside site, um, there was minimal mirrors. We didn't put many mirrors in the gym for one of the reasons is guys especially tense up in the mirrors. You, know, you walk past, you have a little... F- tricep flex or something like that Uh, (laughs) and we wanted to basically you know we we wanted to uh we wanted to reduce how much that was happening um and also you know we we not without being stereotypical we didn't want women coming in and feeling like they were seeing themselves in the mirror or seeing guys that were kept tensing up in the mirror so they felt uncomfortable and we wanted to be open to uh, a full market of general population yeah so what is your typical client so our typical client mate is people ask what our typical client is all the time. We we've had as young as four, per, like four years old, training up to wow. eighty four. So it's a wide it's a wide client base. Um, but different careers, different yeah, situations, all different backgrounds, doing... all different incomes, all different. Um, yeah, like all from from everywhere. So, so when that happens, do you try and pick? the best coach for that person exactly so something what they're specialized in and you say okay i think they would fit perfect with say brian exactly yeah i think this person will work best with jenny yeah and yeah we, we used to send out questionnaires which were short so if people were interested number one we'd send them out a questionnaire which would be quite short they fill it out we get a bit of a feel for their personality from the questionnaire and we would set them up someone who we thought they would suit with from a goal point of view who was going to do the best job with them to get results but also potentially who was going to suit them with age gender you know their past experience of training that kind of stuff and uh, that's how it kind of built from there biggest um, lesson biggest lesson you learned in the first year of business biggest lesson that's a big question. <laughs> That's the um, biggest lesson. I know. Uh, <laughs> biggest lesson, I think, would be uh, would be be consistent with the level of output as a business you were, you were given. So, and what was your output? So you're having a bad day. You don't let that shine through ever. So if you walk in the gym, especially the gym is meant to be a positive, motivational place. Everyone has a bad day. Everyone's tired sometimes. Everyone has goes out on the on the lash and can't get up in the morning, whatever it is. But whenever you step foot in the door, you put on a brave face if you're not feeling great and you get on with it and you be motivational, you don't have a bad day. And you just kind of that was the biggest thing because it shines through in the in the quality of the service I think that was that was being provided. 
Um, but I mean, there's. I think if I thought about it a bit more, there would be there'd be tens of things that I learned in my first year. Um, you know, I think you know when when budgets are tight, you know, not just kind of spending money on things that you didn't need. It was being more. Did that money. happen? So yeah, got, yeah. You're pot money, and you think, oh, I'm gonna get this, this, and yeah. this, and this. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, it you got this out thing. Quick. You think you you buy all these things. You got this vision in your head that it's all gonna happen like this, and it you, then you realize it doesn't. So it's kind of like nearly like a waste of money, whatever it was at that point. So it was spending money on the necessities. It was spending money on things that were going to... That's your ego talking again, isn't it? Thinking, I need this, I need that. Yeah, And then actually it's what do you really need? What do you really need, yeah. So it was things that were going to generate income for for the gym. So how do you produce new business, get new clients in? How do you retain clients that are already here? Number one. Um, So the retention, new business... Uh, and like I said, the quality. My, that's the thing my dad kept coming to me, keep the quality high. And that was what comes through in our so family your, business. what does your dad do? So we've got a family business, uh, which is a completely different industry. So quite business orientated. Yeah, it's, uh, going back to my, my granddad, which I spoke about earlier, being the yellow colours. Um, he started in 1952 and is still going now. Wow. Um, is a, is a, a heavy, heavy plant, earth-moving business. So What's big, it called? Kelson Sparks Group. Shut Do you know them? <laughs> Small world, then, is it? Yeah, so that's my granddad, yeah. yeah. So, hang on. So, here's, here's the so link. Your, your da- so, Sparks and Stark. So, my dad, my mum's maiden name is Sparks, and my dad's a Stark. So, when they married, it got all confusing. But, yeah, my dad's Rob. Wow. Yeah. So, Rob Stark, he calls himself Game of Thrones, you know, for those of you who watch it, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then wow. you get the whole Iron Man and everything else. My dad loves all that sort of They've stuff. They've got yeah. a beautiful place where it is as well. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where the business kind of side come from. Um, and my dad's worked in the family business for years. Shut up! And that was going back to another thing. So when I left school, that was the expectation of all my friends. They thought you're going to go straight into the family business and that's that. And then they were all shocked when I was like, I'm not doing it, I'm doing my own thing. And that was because I remember having a conversation with my grand and saying to him when he wasn't very well. And uh, I said to him, he was desperate for me to go in the family business. I was like, Grant, I love it. I love the industry. Um, and it's something I might do later on in life. And it but took it well? I want to do my own thing. He, yeah, ish. <laughs> sure. <but laughs> he, they, did, he did, yeah. He, but they he, supported yeah, you. Yeah, he did. But he was desperate for me to go into the family business. But when I had the conversation, I said, no, do my own thing. He understood and he just gave me some tips on how to get going. And then I heard his story uh, about how he first borrowed money to get going. And it was a crazy story. And then that's what gave me the oomph to to get going in 2015. Yeah, so yeah, it's mad, eh? (laughs) Uh, So you know know Kelson Sparks Group then, obviously. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. We'll go into that another time. (laughs) How'd you know him? My dad got a hydraulic engineering company. Ah, uh, okay. Right. And I don't know if he still does, cause, um, but he used to do the, all the hydraulics for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And at that point, similar to you, um, but I'm not going into too much detail about my, my dad. Um, but yeah, obviously, I didn't want to do what he did. Yeah. At one point, I tried it. I remember going up to Carsten Sparks yeah. and going up to like the workshop manager and absolutely, I was like, 17 at the time absolutely <laughs> pooing myself and he just ripped me yeah literally just yeah. ripped me and i think my dad sent me there knowing exactly that i was going to get ripped yeah yeah um because yeah. you know what it's like the old heads in the industry exactly, yeah. they know exactly what i did the same as you so i, I you know I, I worked you know all through my younger years i always had the work ethic because my parents made me do my summer job so i was always working in summer you know, to earn my own money and I was working sparks is something else. And I was working wow. in the family business and doing all sorts of jobs and getting stuck out on site doing the dog work sometimes and my dad going, Yeah, you'll really enjoy that job. 
and went out there and it, it was like one of the most monotonous boring jobs or whatever it was but it was ways that you kind of experience that you yeah know, the whole the whole industry yeah and that, and that was that's another driver for me so you kind of see it from you know all the way through from when I was younger it was the work ethic installed to yeah. you know now I, you know, I work a lot of hours my wife she'll tell you that and uh I, I mean, is um, fair play to you though to do your own thing. That yeah. take, it takes a lot of courage, um, especially when, as you said, you could have easily fallen into that business, but you decided not to. You decided to kind of create your own story, and I, it, I think it, that says. At a lot. the same time, I got a younger brother who's called Kelston, named after my granddad, and I knew he was always going to the family business, and I respect that he's done that because that was another reason for me to think look, I've got a younger brother that's going to do it so I can actually go and do my own thing. If I didn't, I probably would have thought, actually, if we're going to continue the family business in the blood, it's something I probably need to do. But I knew he was going in, so it's kind of like, so someone's going to be taking it on, mm. you know. And like I said, it might be years to come, I think, actually, you know, I want to go back in and do some work for... Yeah. But, you know. So, 2018. Yeah, so... It's a big year for you. So, wind wind it back to 2016 was just when the sf nutrition launch okay oh sorry yeah, so sf well. nutrition is uh is our, is our supplement um nutrition range um so it was something that um from a business point of view we thought right another income stream so that's 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 the reason for why in the business uh we started generating enough profit in you know the first uh, gym that we could invest in and reinvest into starting the sf nutrition range uh, and then I had ideas around that I wanted good quality supplementation that cut away all of the, the nasty stuff that you see in a lot of the stuff. And that's why our kind of, you'll see all over our brand, it's got 100% natural written everywhere. And that's because we focused on making sure that the ingredients and the formulations are made up of natural ingredients. So there's no artificials, there's no rubbish in there. So it's good quality stuff. It's more expensive potentially than some of the big main bulk, um, you know, protein brands and stuff. Um, but I think now this year now i didn't necessarily think it in 2016 as much but now people are really searching for quality over the quantity because of all the health and fitness things that are in the news uh you know all these health um yeah. all the health epidemics i think people are really starting to invest into their health more than, than they did two years ago so in another two years it's going to be even it's going to be different again so we you know we did a get we went through the same process again so brand establishment I wanted to keep it minimal. I wanted good quality product. But was it eat? Well, I guess a lot that of was, research needs to go into. It was a lot of research. We found a company that we could work with to formulize the products and do all the tasting. And, you know, then we had to do all the packaging and look and just take a label, a label, for instance, to make it legal about the prints, what's got to be on there, what's not got to be on there. It was a, a whole new ball game of me to learn about that as well. And then obviously we could sell just in the gym but we wanted to go online. So then, okay, I need to learn about e-commerce as well. So I need to set up an online shop. I need to learn about tracking uh, inventory, fulfilling customer service, keeping the website updated, how to push the website out there to get into, to, to win new business. Uh, so that was a whole new ball game again. So I had to learn about e-commerce systems and how to set one up and how to manage it and everything else so that was an that was a, that was the next thing so wow. so the the gym in the background was was doing well and the was bread, building the bread and butter and um i was still coaching a lot so i was still doing a lot of my own personal training uh, because that Why? was my it was my own in, that's my own income so still to this day yeah. i've not taken a salary from the business wow. um so my income is still for my personal training uh i'm still looking at the bigger picture so it does sometimes grate you a little bit. You think, well, I'm paying you know a few people's salaries. I'm not even paying myself yet. But no, it's, it's the bigger it's picture. Um, and uh, yeah, so 
people don't it's, it's hard yeah that's why you know the whole goes back to the bells and whistles yeah it is and uh, behind behind the scenes uh, it goes back to being the support and everything else and luckily I can still do my own personal bits and bobs because of my personal training and also my wife and you know she works and she works hard as well so between us that's why we can still do the holidays that we want yeah. and do the things think you know? of a bigger picture definitely think of the yeah. bigger picture so, um, so SF, that's where SF Nutrition came from and you know that's again probably a whole different podcast to talk about yeah, that and can, how that yeah. started but um and then uh yeah three years in 2018 um we sat down one day uh reviewing our year of Starks Fitness the you know coming to the end of I guess well we're about two and a half years in mm-hmm. and uh thought well let's expand <laughs> and that's where we started then looking um for the Temple Key location is there a right time though not really not really i think if you've there's not a right time because you can you can you can have a strong business or you can have a business that's getting stronger but it comes down to i think um uh you know you you obviously need to go through the numbers is another chunk of investment um that you know there's a lot more to put in so you've got to be able again to have the back end to invest into a new gym setup um and you've got to be able to think well can we manage two gyms with the infrastructure we got at this point we didn't have anyone employed in the business uh, because our trainers were all self-employed. Yeah. So, you know, I was running most of it um, with my business partner doing some of the uh, things behind the scenes, as it was to say. So this, the search started and it took a year from the day that we started looking for the Temple Key location, which was at the start of 2017. It took a year to basically just secure the unit. And that was because... Where we are is a prime location next to Temple Mead Station in a big business district. And the landlords want a gym in there, which the brand's got to be on point. It's got to have the right level of service. Of You've got professional people down there. And is it the front doors of a, a huge firm above uh, PwC, which are a worldwide accountancy firm. And we're basically their front door. So they wanted a gym in there, which was going to do the job and make people in the area. So it was kind of set up to succeed in a way. If, or was that the not that makes it sound easy, but in theory, it, yeah, in theory, yeah, in, in theory, theory, that was the idea. But let me ask you a question: yeah. Why, why not just settle? Why not you? You got a successful gym in Harborside. You got your nutrition company starting to pop off, doing well. You're into it. Everything's going well. You could start taking a salary from it, and you know, going. It goes back to that vision. Like I've got vision of being in more than one city, and uh, that's that's what it goes down to. And to be in more than one city, you've got to grow. And you've got to establish yourself like strong enough before. Imagine you where you'd be when you're 40 years old. You know, like <laughs> probably crazy. probably looking a lot older than this. <laughs> At least you still have well, more yeah. hair than I will. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'll be bolding 40. <laughs> That's why I wore a cap to keep the keep the bold spot at the back. Um, yeah. So no, I mean, you know, I I didn't want to settle. I, I wanted to grow, and um, we we outgrew the facility at the harbour side, and I think some of the guys that were working there. So it wasn't a big. It's, it's quite, not a big space. It's, it's, it's yeah. a boutique, small personal training space. Um, when I say small, you know, still it's, it's still, not small, no, but yeah, it's not. It, we outgrew like it. A, yeah. yeah, you know, we had enough. Mem- we had enough uh, personal trainers there and enough members that the space got busy. So it was like, right, if the space is busy, let's replicate it on a bit bigger, bigger model. So where. The, the sort of the model that we run at Temple Key, which is different to the personal training model come from is personal training, as you know, generally in Bristol uh, costs £45 an hour, depending on where you go, who you see, that kind of thing, on an average. And to get people actually seeing results, they need to be training a minimum three times a week. 
So you can start to do the numbers and it gets expensive unless people have got the motivation to go and do your programming that you set in the gym and just have the one session a week with you, whatever it is. But if people don't have that motivation and need to train with a personal trainer, you've got a very, very small uh, you know, catchment of people that can afford to pay yeah, big true. money on personal training, yeah, especially long term if they want to sustain it. You know, you don't want a client you, you just for a month. You, yeah, you want someone yeah. who's going to stay there for a few, you know, someone's going to work true. with you. That's true, very true. So... The, the the obvious was I had started already grouping people and some of the other coaches had as well into small groups, what we called semi-private personal training. So the cost was... Cheaper for them. Cheaper for them. You bigger, still get more paid... More for the hour for yeah. us, so hourly rate was better. More people to handle, so more work behind the scenes. That's what doing. you call a win-win, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so there was more work behind the scenes because you've got more people to look after, more nutrition plans, new training plans to write, but you're getting a highly hourly rate for the for the work you were doing. And that's where the, 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 the model of Temple Key came from um, and the second gym. And we based it around, you know, small group training. And uh, so we had to find a space big enough that would handle that. And space is always, <coughs> space is paramount. And even now, if someone said to me, would you want the extra thousand square foot? 100% because we could always get, you could always grow into the space, you know. But obviously at the time, you're in an expensive area, you're in an expensive building. And you've got to look at the numbers and it's, you, then you start doing number crunching. You need a lot of members really quickly. And going back to what you're saying, it was uh, being in this professional area, we were going to open up with a, a high quality product, which was more expensive than the standard gyms. I wrongly thought that we maybe have queue, people queuing at the door ready to come in because they thought great looking gym, great branding, great equipment, great products. People queuing at the door. Didn't happen. Wow. <laughs> we ultimately had people that were interested but we've spent the last eight months um, working out how... Interest don't put money in your pocket, though, no. does it? We had to work how we get people through, do their first session and see the value in what we were doing. And wow. then people buy into the product. And doing that first stepping stone, like we still get people now that walk into the harbour side, it's been open for over three years, and literally say, I've been walking past this gym for three years and today I've made the, I've made the effort to come in because it's time that, it's my time now that I want to change. And they've taken three years to come in and they've walked past it every day if they walk into the shop or something. And uh, gyms are a funny place in terms of mentality and, you know, people... It's a big step, man. Yeah, right? pe people don't step. like... People got this vision of what the gym's like and what it should be like. And that's why we've tried to create a space where I want to call it the third space of people. So you've got work and home life, first and second space. Third space is where they spend the next amount of time, which is in the, in our facility, hence why... We've got an amazing training space. We've got the cafe area, fitness bar. People can drink coffee. They can eat food. They can they can chill. They can chat. So they can spend time there, you know, and they can communicate. They can wow. chat to other members. And that's what we've created at Temple Key. Once and, again, uh, there's a gym in London called Third Space, and you know they've done they've they've done something similar. And stop so, calling out other gyms. Yeah, sorry, they, yeah, they I shouldn't be. But I'm picking that. up it. They I'm, need yeah. a pay for that promotion. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> um, so the small group. The training concept kind of derived. There's other people that are doing it well in the country. Uh, I spoke to them, asked for some help and advice. Uh, they very kindly helped me out. So I sent them a bottle of wine and a few bits like that. Um, and I had this idea of there's lots of training concepts um, now in the UK and worldwide, which are doing very well. Franchises that are growing rapidly but they offer very, very um, uh, tunnel-visioned kind so of concept. So I train at a Snap Fitness. Yeah. So take, take Snap Fitness away uh, because 
Snap Fitness and some of the other like kind of 24 hour gyms, they do what they say on the tin. You pay yeah. a low fee, you go in, the equipment's there, you train on your own. But I'm talking about class-based model gyms, oh, which okay, I got you. you're talking about so these is, is boot that camps. growing? Yeah, the class-based model's growing rapidly. It starts in London, you know, generally, because that's where everything starts in the UK and it grows. It comes over from the Oz, it comes over from America. Uh, and these class-based models start, but the class-based model generally, if you, if you look across the basis of what they offer, is variations of high intensity interval training and that's pretty much it so it might be variations of that it might be whereas boxing spin it might be circuit training whatever it is but it's variations of hit training okay if you just do hit training you're not going to progress as an individual you'll get initial results you'll see because your output your energy output's increased you'll get those initial results but you're not going to see the next progression. You're not going to build that much strength. Just starting in anything, you're yeah. going to see some type of yeah, results. Yeah, exactly. But you're not going to build strength. You're not going to necessarily build mobility. You're not going to move better. You're not going to be educated on the training that you're doing and the, everything else. But you're also not going to get the support potentially, um, depending on the, who, what they do. You're not going to get the support on the main aspects, which is... Um, our four pillars that we look at as training, nutrition, recovery and lifestyle. So you won't get the support of the other three. You'll get the training and you'll just get the HIIT training, but you won't get the help with the nutrition, which is a massive key. You know, when people say 70% of the kitchen, 30% of the gym, yeah, that's pretty true, that kind of thing. Um, the recovery methods, people actually nowadays... People don't talk about the recovery. No, but it's when I talk about recovery, a... when I talk about recovery, I don't just mean like sitting in a cold bath or whatever I'm talking about. Uh, my, my mentor talks about a lot about yin and yang um, so you know the yin being the chilled outside you know you talk about yin and yang you talk about yangs being very like on the go you, your adrenals are running everything's fast paced that's how our society now live everything's rapid like I was I got here I was late because I was rushing around there was pallets of SF nutrition arriving and you're just on the go but that's how Terrible. the majority of the people are now especially true. you know everyone's running around they're rushing oh, we were time. late getting here as well so exactly just, <laughs> so like when you, when you said you're 10 minutes late uh, uh, boss, yes yeah. so you know people are late and they're rushing around and you know really you know they they need to be doing more what I call recovery and yin work so they need to be doing the chilled outside so whether it be meditation yoga whether it be um, you know, mindfulness what about stuff. Just about sleep. Sleep, massive, but is again, people aren't educated on what they can oh, be doing to yeah. sleep better. Um, so there's all these things. So we talk about that, and that then crosses over into the lifestyle stuff. And we're at the minute putting together these big corporate packages that we want to be pushing out uh, middle of this year, which cover all these areas. So it takes corporate health and well-being and wellness to a whole new level and that's what our next thing that we're working on as well as the SF Academy as well as the secret escapes that we want to run so there's all these other things going on so there's a lot of there's a lot of clogs turning at the moment um, that's amazing and uh, you know it's um, you know it's you know having that yin side is important and that's where it comes down to the education support so going back to these class based models just being hit training really there's the HIIT training, if you look at our team training, for instance, which is our classes, essentially, HIIT training is one of our current 13 classes that we have on offer. I see you do all like handstands. So that would be another class that we run called calisthenics, which is huge in the industry. So it's a skill-based class looking at different skills. But Can we come along and do some filming and do one of, the, yeah, yeah. one of the... Yeah, come down and do a caddy class. Because yeah. I always want to do a handstand. Yeah. 
It doesn't just happen like that. No. <laughs> but I've got um, a daughter at home and she's five and she just she just boshes it out. They do, like kids think, learn quick. Yeah, yeah, when I think about it though, she's constantly doing handstands. Yeah. I read like a quote somewhere about it and they said as far as doing handstands, it's like how much time do you spend on your hands a day, essentially. Yeah. So how are you going to expect to... Exactly, yeah. Well, we stand on our feet. We can use our feet well, but we can't necessarily maybe use our hands as well when we try and stand on our hands because we don't stand on our hands that often. Right, so so I want to get off business a little bit. Yeah. I think we smashed it. I think unbelievable. And we're still going to go into it now with the mindset questions I got because, of course, you're going to refer back to your experience and stuff like that. But talk about sport. Um, you said when you was in the gym, you never really wanted to, you weren't focused on being the strongest. You wasn't focused on being essentially the one in the best shape. So what that tells me is you focus very much on yourself and you didn't care about what other people were doing. So you were very much, you just paid attention to yourself, which I think is right where everybody else is constantly comparing themselves to other people. He looks amazing. Uh, She lifts this or that guy can do 100 pull-ups. I don't know, whatever it is. We're in a world where people are constantly comparing themselves to others. Was that... Was, did you ever experience that? Do you experience that as a coach? Because I think it's, it's, it's okay having competition and seeing, okay, like James can do a handstand and do this and that. I look up to James, so I want to learn how to do it. So I could use that as a motivational thought. But then other people don't see it as a positive. A lot of people can see it as a negative and they can hate. Sure. So be like, oh, it's easy for James to go yeah, to the to gym do, and yeah. do handstands and have yeah. abs because he owns a gym. So but- that's um, so going back to you know concentrating on myself. So as soon as I gave up playing rugby, uh, Mike, I've I've, no, I've never really had a, a goal in my training, which sounds really bad because all we do with our members is set yeah, goals. But I never really had a goal. I just enjoy training. I enjoy experiences, many but different concepts. Maintenance possible. is a goal, surely. Yeah, maintenance is a goal. But that's that is probably my goal. In fact, Tommy, the general manager at one of my gyms, calls me Mister Maintenance. <laughs> you just haven't but changed I, you know, in six I years. I, no, I, I, yeah, but that's that's down to me. Like I'm not I'm not that's worried about having a goal. I, I enjoy. But you know, you probably can. If I you could, wanted easily, to step yeah. up and put on muscle mass, you know, you know exactly what you exactly, need to do. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually just going to start doing some more performance based training. So I never program myself because I don't like writing my own program so one of the guys at the gym <laughs> he, so you're a bit of hypocrite is that what you're saying <laughs> so like you've got a brand around <laughs> no so like, I'm talking about my yeah no, so I've got one of the guys at the gym he's gonna write me a program I'll follow it for I think it's a 21 week program I'll do it and then I'll probably move on to something else and but how did your ego not get involved in that program be like oh Tom you <laughs> nah that shouldn't be in there what a waste of time nah no he's a good guy he's 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 way more highly qualified than me okay, uh, and he knows what he's talking about and uh he, he's a good boy as well. He's got a rugby background because he's he's worked with international teams with the Welsh and the Scottish. So, oh, wow. so I, I that's where I take my interest. So I've given him my next twenty weeks and said, right, your program is what I'm doing. That's cool. Yeah, and it's performance based. You know, it's about my next twenty weeks is going to be about trying to improve my strength. Um, I still do my running. I've just signed up to a half marathon in Gothenburg in May. Uh, which I've never ran before. I never thought I'd yeah, bother running. Doing, doing um, and I thought, you know, my cousin lives over there. He said to me, we're both 30. I'm 30 in April. He's 30 in May. Let's do the half marathon. So I was like, right, screw it. He's really good at running. <laughs> like, really good at running. So I'm going to have to up my running a bit because I've got a target in my head. So this is actually my first goal is I want to run the half. I'm going to state it now in an hour and 45 or less. 
Um, and so that's probably the first goal in my training I've had for quite a long time. <laughs> but going back to um, concentrating on myself and people going, well, like I want to do what he's doing and other people saying, I'm never going to be able to do that and that turns people away is why you've got to be able to show, um, you know, I guess the progressions to everything because then people go, well, okay, I'm never going to be able to do a handstand but I could probably see myself doing something like that. And then you slowly introduce them and they see progression in their training and then they build and build and build. And we're the general population, which is our kind of main market. We're not, we don't, we do coach professional athletes. Some of our guys do, but our main market is general population. People um, is, is the image that we give out. So social media is the biggest thing that we drive business on at the moment. So we've made some changes of how our social media is pushed out. So there's things that we've stopped happening on social media, which would have put a lot of people off coming in our gym. Uh, for different reasons just add pictures and stuff like tops that. off tops off pictures on our personal stuff like the coaches allow so the co- the coaches they can you know they can post what they want on their own social medias but we've basically banned nobody, nobody can relate to that no we we've banned it in the gym so people doing the tops off picture and tagging the gym is banned you know we don't do it anymore and it's because of different reasons and we, we've heard we've had members feedback and people say like they don't like it and there's more people that don't like it or can't relate to it than there is people that relate to it. And if it's not there, the small people that relate to it don't miss it anyway because it, it you wow. know, do you know what I mean? So it's just small changes and it's listening to you, you know, listening to your members and, and it's been a positive change for us. Um, and it's been a positive change, um, just generally for the, you know, for the business and, uh, you know, and I think it's, uh, like you said, so many people now comparing on social media. Social media, people spend way too long. Now you can go on Instagram and see how much time you spend on Instagram, which is sometimes a bit frightening. <laughs> and Every uh, Sunday that message comes through. Yeah, and I, I mean... You're you 10 know. hours above your average. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, we can sit there and, you know, we can sit there and we can slate people. We can sit there and go, I wish I was like them. We can do whatever we want. But I, I, to me, it's just a waste of time. I just... You get on with your own thing and just crack on. That's you know? amazing. But like, where did your hunger come from? Just, I don't know. I just Because obviously you've had it at such a young age. So you went to school, but then you got a scholarship to, a, I don't, possibly one of the best rugby schools or sports schools in the UK. Yeah. Um, and then you went to Exeter, got your, you just keep constantly displaying hunger throughout and not settling. And what I talk about all the time is consistency wins every time. Yeah. And one thing, what it looks like is that you have been consistent through the years. Is that the case? Have you ever had a down day, down week? Have you ever flunked? Have you ever thought, oh, I can't be bothered. Let's just go to Vegas. You and- yeah. I mean, like you, you ultimately, I could, we talked about it earlier. I said, everyone has up and down days and, your personal life can affect your work life big time. So if you've got a highly stressed personal life for whatever reason, uh, whether it be a partner you're with, whether it be something that's happening in your personal life or whatever it is, it can have an effect with your work. And that's why I talked about whatever was going on in the personal life, it was going to work with a happy face and making sure that that stay consistent in terms of level of service and the output because that's what people see. And I've got some of my personal training clients I see now, I've been training for since day one, since 2011. And I've got a really good personal relationship with them. I go to some of their weddings. I've been to family events, you know, that kind of personal relationship. They've seen my journey and change. And what happens is very often they come back and they say to me, 
you're doing a good job, keep going. And they're the ones that have seen it come from day one. So that little kind of comment from whoever it is, and they're usually quite bantery or whatever, and they turn around to you seriously, know what you're doing is a good job. That's amazing. And it just motivates you. And that's what it comes down to. And now the whole thing's changed. Like you say, what gives me drive now? The drive now is, is down to the business has grown where you've got the livelihood of a lot of people that are relying on the business doing well because that's their that is their life that's how wow. they earn money so as soon as that changes and you now not just got self-employed people you're now employing people you know is that it that's that's their life you know if they don't if the business didn't do well they've still got to get paid you know otherwise you know that it, their their personal life goes down the drain as well so and that and that's a, that's another pressure do you know what i mean and uh it's, it's something that makes you get out of bed every morning and um and but i go to bed with generally with a smile on my face recently i i sold my car i've always loved my cars what car did you uh, have? i had a, I had a sirocco uh really nice a really nice sirocco an r-line i had a personalized plate all that kind of stuff because that's that was my kind of another passion i like cars yeah i love driving and i had to sell my car and that was Why? for a number of reasons one because i wanted to invest that money into the business um sec- wow. and, cu- and cut my own personal expense because i wasn't you know taking the salary as such um, and then there was a couple of other small reasons as well. Uh, my wife, you know, she's got a car. We decided that we didn't need one. So we made the decision to get rid of mine. She does need a car. So now I've become a cyclist man. <laughs> so I was like, I drove it today, obviously, because it was too far to cycle. But um, uh, yeah, I, I cycle. I, I don't have the clips. Don't I've, have got, the clip. I, I, I ha- I've had a road bike. I went in down that road for a bit, realized that time-wise, I didn't have enough time to go out and do road cycling properly. I did like it. But I've got a hybrid bike. I don't have the clips. I've got a nice helmet. I've got the granddad mug guards. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm one of those people that, you know, cycles through town and you, know, you sat at traffic lights and you're probably pissing off the traffic and uh, yeah. getting in the way a bit. <laughs> right, so I've got questions. Go for it. From, um, on Instagram. Uh, who inspired you to be you? Uh... I talked about him before, but definitely down to my granddad. Checking your yeah. granddad would come on the podcast. He's not around anymore, mate. Otherwise, oh, he would wow. love to be. Yeah, but he, you know, he's he's not been around for a few years. But he, yeah, he was a big inspiration for us. So our... My nan was a massive for me. She was yeah. different. She yeah. was like she was just a cleaner as far as that. But he, she didn't have a lot. But her love she displayed yeah. for her grandkids and, was and second was to none. And it, it was him, and it was the way he inspired the whole family. Um, and then, and and, and, and and that's it. And you know, it's and it's not just him, but like I said, support, inspiration from the family to push me and drive. And that's yeah, that's that's number one, I think. So that's amazing that he's still seeing that you made the, the jump to do yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Now and- that was some, that was one of my last conversations with him. Is that I'm doing my own thing to start with, and he supported it. So okay, so uh, how do you deal with feeling isolated? They said, especially at school, but let's just talk about isolation. Have you, you've built an unbelievable community and by the sounds of it, you've got great mentors, you've got people around you. So have you ever felt isolated or have you made sure that if you ever went down that path, you've you've basically gone and talked to somebody? Uh, to be honest, I think I'm, I'm probably lucky enough not to have ever kind of felt like that, isolated. Again, is it I think, lucky though, or is that a, I, a conscious I, decision where mate, you've actually said to yourself, "I'm just going to go"? And I think get it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mentality for one, um, but it's also because it goes back to family, great family, great support, uh, but also friends. I've got a great like group of friends which I class as my close mates, my close mates I can count, my closest mates that I could go and call at any time I can count on one hand, 
and it's about you know you speak to them and they support you through the ups and downs and so I've never really felt properly isolated I don't think but I'm I'm a I'm a person my my wife says differently but I do enjoy my own space I don't get that much of it so I do enjoy sitting down on the sofa and watching Netflix all day and not having anything to do um that's I do enjoy that kind of time um so I I think yeah I think is I think a lot of things you talk you talk about luck um you get brought into into the world with a support of a family however they are and I think I'm lucky to have a very supportive family and I think some people don't necessarily have the support that I did so I don't take it for granted at all um and I work my ass off to make sure I give back what they've given if that makes sense so perfect what is your top tips for growing a fitness business what is your top tips for growing a fitness business I think um, staying, you, you have a vision and you stay true to the vision. Um, so we talked about before, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, being consistent. So I think you need to have what you visualize. You have like a, uh, you, you have your ethos and you stick to it and you stick to your guns. Um, and, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, but as long as you keep that happy face, keep that consistency, it will it will come through and shine in the end. And that's what we're starting to see now at Temple Key is, you know, initially the first few months when we opened was hard work and it was convincing people that we were the you right do, facility yeah, to come and course. train and you build a community and people were associating us with our average members, you know, spends a lot of money compared to your normal gym, but they, because they get a level of service for what they're spending and they get, they get the location, they get the facility, they get the equipment, but they also get the community, but they get the service. And that's what it's about. So staying true to to what you're doing, it will come through. I ask every guest for this. If you could sit down with three people, dead or alive, what three people would it be? Well, I guess it'd be two now because you sat down with me. So that's one. <laughs> <laughs> but what what three people would it be? Uh, Denzel Washington. No. I love him. Ma. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I, Denzel is. I. He's one of my favorite actors. Oh, he's incredible. And, uh, he's a cool guy. Um, so yeah, he. I think you know he would be uh, one of my, one of my main ones. I watched um, an interview recently. There's a, a hip hop artist called Nipsey Hussle, um, yeah. and he said he went to a Lakers game when he was about eight years old, and Denzel Washington was sat on the front basically, yeah. and he went down and he wanted an interview, and the security guard um, said, "Go away." And Denzel, he, apparently his wife tapped him and said that kid, and he's like, hey, stop, like, come, come over, come, yeah. come for a picture, a si- um, not interview, sorry, yeah, a signature and stuff like that. And um, he said he, he always remembered it. And now obviously he's a big celebrity himself, and he yeah. was at a game the other day, sat next to Denzel Washington, and he said he had the same conversation. And what that comes down to, why I share that, is it's just integrity, you know, being a good person all round. Like Denzel didn't have to necessarily do that, but it just shows his character and being humble despite all of your success, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, that's the hundred, you've nailed it on the head there. So it's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's an inspiration in his own way. He's an actor, which is nothing I do oh, at all, but it's... Apart from when you Apart from when I do my kick, <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a kick, slipping. I'm a kick, yeah. Um, number two. Number two um, would, I would love to sit down with the wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to see. I love the film for one, but uh, I've read his. I read a bit about his story, and I, f- I follow his stuff that he does now and his work. And uh, he's a guy that just uh, flipped things on their head big time. And what I call went full out. 
I like um, any of the people that you, you know, any of my friends will know that I got this, I, I guess because I'm this health and fitness like person, people don't think I'll do all the mental stuff as well. Of course. And yeah. uh, I love to party. I got married in okay. Ibiza. I go to Ibiza most years and I love partying. And uh, it's, it's, it's a different side, which... You know, ninety nine. You're twenty nine. Come on. Yeah, but ninety percent of the year, you you know, you do your thing. Yeah, but and then that ten percent. My parents know that I love going out. When I start drinking, you know, it, it usually ends pretty badly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I like to party, and I think uh, I think um, sitting down with him from like a business point of view, but also uh, like, point in, as, but yeah. also just from that How life, that himself, that life yeah. he had as well. Would be quite cool to discuss that with him and find out some more details on the stories that yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, thirdly, and uh, I think thirdly um, would probably be one of my uh, like sporting icons, uh, so like Johnny Wilkinson. Okay, wow. Um, so he, you know, he my he, goal is to get his kicking coach on a guy called Ebert Pressure, but oh, I forgot what it's called. Pressure Principle, I think. Yeah, Dave Alfred. Alfred. He does a lot of stuff Alfred, around yeah. that, and he's in, incredible. But you want to check it out? Well, he he he's like a you know people say oh, you know you're always going to say he's going to be some like typical big sporting icon, but I think when you see him being interviewed, similarly to, similarly to um you know there's some other big big stars um who are big big um you know kind of celebrities i guess johnny wilkinson always seemed to come across very modest and very like you know no ego just kind of he did it and he he just did his thing you know he he practiced hard he trained hard and did his thing and he he was consistent when he played you know big tackler great kicker and that again is like his business you know that's how he earned money and I think, you know, he'd be another guy that I'd like to sit down and see how he planned his weeks out, how he set goals and everything else. So it relates back to business again, but also, you know, he, he built... Mindset is everyday stuff. Yeah, it's not just time. business, everyday stuff. Yeah. Anyway, James, we're going to have to wrap this up. Yeah, no, it's cool. Maybe man. next time, it'd be good if we can come to your gym yeah, 100%, and maybe yeah. set this somewhat up in your gym yeah. and do a part two. How's yeah, that definitely, sound? Yeah, 100%. I'm up for it, yeah. Keen, yeah, yeah, definitely. Really Thank you. I appreciate um, you letting me come on the show and no, chat. No, anyway. I appreciate you, man. So... Tell everyone quickly how they can find you on social media and stuff. We're going to post up your links anyway. Yeah, sure. So uh, the, the just the website is starksfitness.co.uk. Um, my personal Instagram is uh, s74rks. It's my private plate. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, Starks Fitness Gym is on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. SF Nutrition, again, Instagram and Facebook. sfnutrition.co.uk is the website. And then that's when you'll come across uh, the academy side of things and stuff as well. Um, but yeah, that's where you find me. That's where I spend Amazing. a lot of time. Okay, guys, so I want to wrap this up. Um, I feel like we could have went on for double amount of time. I think so as well. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, thank you again for coming on. But make sure you do check out all the other podcasts we've done. And also give this one a big like and also comment on the video what you thought. Or if you have any other questions for a part two. But most importantly, follow him on social media. Follow me and hit that big red button and subscribe. And with that said, I'll check you on the next podcast. Peace.